For the few minutes we have, let's start with Psalm 110 that our brother just read to us. Turn to Psalm 110, please. It's in the middle of your Bible, and that is significant. Psalm 110. As Baptists, we are at a slight disadvantage. We don't appreciate priests. Because we grew up without any. But brethren, if there isn't a priest, the gulf between God and us is so great, and our sin and guilt is so great, we are without hope. There have always been priests to stand between God and men. But the last thing we need is a Roman Catholic priest. The last thing we need is someone from the Church of Mormon that's part of the Aaronic priesthood. Can you believe they'd want to call any priest after Aaron? Have mercy. No, he didn't. Have mercy on us, Lord, for thinking that is such a ridiculous thought. Psalm 110. The most important verse in Psalm 110 for today is verse 4. The Lord hath sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord swore. This priest became a priest by an oath. If you were paying attention to the reading of Hebrews 7, all the priests under the law of Moses were not made with an oath. But this priest was made with an oath because the Lord swore when he made him a priest. This priest is the Lord Jesus Christ. You know who he is. And this priest was made a priest at a time you should be able to figure out from this chapter. It's when the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand. It was at his resurrection and his ascension into heaven that he became our great high priest. It splits your Bible. Psalm 110 and verse 4 splits your Bible. If you go to the left in your Bible all the way back to Leviticus... You have all the rules that God laid down for the priests of Israel, the Levites, and those that came from Aaron among the Levites that were the priests. So that was the priesthood of God. They offered all those sacrifices. They led tabernacle worship. Then they led temple worship. But what are we doing with our Bible split? With another verse that says, The Lord hath sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Aaron and the Levitical priesthood is gone. And the Lord Jesus Christ has replaced them all. And He is superior in every respect to be a faithful and merciful high priest in things pertaining to God for each of us. And we are coming to His memorial feast, which He has specified whereby He laid down His life and His body was torn and His blood shed. And He offered His own body and blood as a sacrifice for sins forever. Praise His great and glorious name. The Lord, the capital L-O-R-D, made our Lord, small O-R-D, a priest after the order of Melchizedek. Our Lord Jesus Christ. We have sung His praises. We just sang that in the courtroom of heaven, 
We need no other argument. We need no attorney to bring any other argument. We need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that He died for me. And let Him plead my case. He knows the judge. They're good friends. He's the beloved son of the judge. Brethren, and He pleads our case at the throne of God. And this is the priesthood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is chosen after the order of Melchizedek for reasons too numerous for us to mention and beauty that's described in Hebrews 5 and 7. But let's come over now to Hebrews chapter 2 that we also had read to us. Hebrews chapter 2. I'll mention some of the similarities with Melchizedek, but not all of them. Hebrews is a wonderful book for our quizzers to be learning. Let me tell you a secret about the New Testament and Paul's writings. Paul does not use the word priest or high priest anywhere else in the New Testament. Nowhere else. The book of Hebrews is all about the priesthood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it was the priesthood that made Hebrews want to stay with the religion of Moses because they knew they had intermediaries, mediators, that could go between them and God. That high priest once a year could go in on the Day of Atonement and offer sacrifice for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. They knew they needed a priest to have peace with God. But the Lord, our God, raised up Jesus Christ to be a priest after the order of Melchizedek. And he is superior to those priests. Our young brother read to us Hebrews chapter 2. Oh, he was pained to start at verse 10. And it is so hard for me to draw the beginning and the end points of our reading. Because I want to read chapters. And yet, I want to manage our time. But the good brother introduced you to verse 10 with what is contained in verse 9. And that's perfectly acceptable. I want you to come to the first verse of chapter 3 that follows everything he read. Look at what it says in 3.1. Wherefore, because of what was read to us from chapter 2, wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Notice that it tells us that we should draw a conclusion of all that was just said about Jesus Christ as a priest, and we should consider Him. So for a few minutes, we're going to consider Him. We're going to consider Jesus Christ, the Apostle and High Priest of our profession. I remember the last time I had an exchange with a Mormon. The exchange went something like this. Don't you know how important it is to have an Apostle and a High Priest? We've got both in Salt Lake City. We've got apostles. They have 12 apostles. And we have high priests. We've got them both. What do you have? <laughs> I have Hebrews 3.1. Amen. And Hebrews 3.1 tells me I have the Lord Jesus Christ who is my apostle and my high priest. And he can whip your apostles and high priests by any measure. Amen. That's what I've got. And that's the profession of my faith. The profession of your faith is Joseph Smith and a bunch of polygamists 
My faith is right there in Hebrews 3.1. And I hope that's where your faith is. Amen. And my apostle and high priest also happens to have just a couple more offices. He's king of kings and lord of lords. Amen. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. He's the bishop of my soul. He's the head of the church. He's the cornerstone of the church. He's all in all. He's the alpha and the omega. Try it on for size, you little Mormon. They ain't got nothing. Now, that's a couple of negatives, so I don't know what that means, but you know what I meant by it. I thank the Lord for a verse like that. Amen. That, that is sweet. Don't you want to get your hands around that, your mental hands, your soul hands, and just squeeze that? Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, and we were told earlier today how we got that heavenly calling, and that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession. Christ Jesus. Let those in Jerusalem profess their Levitical priesthood will profess Christ Jesus who is a priest after the order of Melchizedek. And he's alive right now. And he's looking down upon this assembly. And he sits at the right hand of God. He ever lives to make intercession for us. He offered up one sacrifice for sins forever and sat down having purged our sins by himself. He's a faithful high priest for me. He was tempted in all points but he never fell like I've fallen. And he's able to commiserate and succor me when I am tempted and tried. He is a great high priest. And he died for every sin of mine and washed them all away with one sacrifice 2,000 years ago. And I love my high priest. He knows me and I know him. And he knows the judge very well. Praise the Lord. Come over to Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8. This follows all the verses that were read by another brother. And look what it says in Hebrews 8 and verse 1. Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. Do you you want the bottom line? You know, I like the bottom line. This is the bottom line. This is the sum. This is adding it all up. Now, of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. Oh, praise the Lord. Do you love those words? Love those words. We have such an high priest, the kind just described in Hebrews chapter 7. Those of you that get to memorize Hebrews chapter 7 for the quiz this Saturday, thank the God of heaven. Did you enjoy it? Don't look at me like that. It hurts. It's a lot of verses to memorize. But they're wonderful verses. And those of you that have chapter 9, don't worry. You weren't deprived of much. Because Hebrews 9 is really good too. And it's about the priesthood. Do you love the words of God? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Every word. Are prepositions important or could we just blow them out? I get to the last part of this 8-1 and I see a whole bunch of prepositions. Who is set? The first preposition of what I'm showing you right now is on. Who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty In the heavens. Do you know where Jesus Christ is? He's on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. 
Our Lord Jesus Christ is a man. He's like you and me. He was tempted in every single way you've ever been tempted by sin. And he said, no! It is written, he told the devil, get away from me. Get thee behind me, Satan. I am not going to sin. And he never sinned. And then he took all my sins. And it was a lot of sins. And they were great sins. And they were terrible sins. And there were presumptuous sins. And there were public sins. And there were terrible sins. And he nailed them all to his cross. Amen. And I love my Savior, Jesus Christ, my high priest. And he is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. And it tells me he is set because his work is done. And I am saved forever. Brethren, if it wasn't for a priest, we're lost without hope. Adam wished he had a priest in the Garden of Eden. How would you like to be hiding behind some trees and have God say, Adam, where art thou? I don't want him saying, where art thou? I want him saying, welcome. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. That sounds a whole lot. Does it sound better to you? Where art thou? I was naked. Who told you you were naked? Did you eat of that tree? Get out of my garden! You say, he wasn't talking like that. Well, then you tell me what that cherubim was put there with a flaming sword keeping the way of the tree of life. Do you think he was smiling and passing out candy? He was turning every which way to make sure that no one touched that tree of life. Because, brethren, we were cut off from life. We were condemned. He needed a Savior. He needed a high priest. He needed someone to go to God and plead his case. But do you know how he's got to plead our case? He's got to live a perfect life for us and then die a perfect substitutionary death for us. And do you know what? You know what, don't you? He did it. He did it. We have a wonderful high priest. Do you know that in churches across this whole globe, Roman Catholics are going to some man, a Twinkie. And I'm sorry if you think I'm too harsh. A Twinkie who's not had a woman, at least a woman legitimately. And they're going to go to him. And they're supposed to confess their sins to a man. And the man is going to show them where they can buy candles. It it always involves this. He's going to show them where they can buy candles. He's going to tell little widows. He's going to tell little widows who have an inheritance from their husbands. A will that had bequeathed them money. He's going to show them where they can pay that money to have masses said on behalf of their husband to spring him out of a place called purgatory that they've made up for this reason. Is that terrible? In the name of Christianity. There's 1.1 billion of them that claim to be Roman Catholics. They have made up an office for their church that the New Testament doesn't even allow. There is no priest in the New Testament of the religion of Jesus Christ. They call themselves Christian, but there is no priest. There is no cardinal, there is no archbishop, and there is no pope. There is one priest, and he's the Lord Jesus Christ, and he has entered into heaven in a tabernacle up there, not one down here, and he has sat down because he has washed away all our sins by his own blood, not by some wine and a cracker that looks like a sunburst. 
they will pick up a cracker and they will say, Behold the Lamb of God. Well, their God and their Lamb may be a cracker, but ours is not. Our Lamb of God is the glorious Lord Jesus Christ who is King and Priest and sitting in heaven at this very hour. Thank you, Lord, for our High Priest. We have a need. Look at Job chapter 9. Job chapter 9. Adam needed a priest to stand between him and God. They've made up a whole order that the New Testament says nothing about. You know, the New Testament had apostles. It had prophets. It had evangelists. It had pastors and teachers. It had deacons. But it didn't have priests. And they've made up a whole order. Their whole religion is based on their priesthood. But the only priest that can get the job done, the only one the New Testament tells us about, is the Lord Jesus Christ. Either you're a Bible Christian or you're not. We're Bible Christians, and so we go with the Bible. Job chapter 9. Look at what Job said. Verse 32, speaking about God, For he is not a man, as I am, that I should answer him, and we should come together in judgment. Neither is there any daysman betwixt us that might lay his hand upon us both. Let him take his rod away from me, and let not his fear terrify me. Then would I speak and not fear him. But it is not so with me. Job said, I'm in this terrible problem of all these things that have happened to me, but I can't even go to God. He's not like a man. I'm full of fear of Him. We should, be, we should be afraid of God. He's not a man like I am. He's the God of heaven. He can do whatever He wants to with us. Listen, we can be born short and we can be born tall. We can be born stupid and we can be born smart. We can be born to parents that care about us and we can be born to parents that are fools and desert us. All of those choices and a million more in your life, God made and He didn't ask you about them because He's God. But do you know what we need? We need someone to stand between us, according to this, called a daysman, an arbitrator, a man that could put his hand with God and put his hand on us and would be able to relate to both and make peace for us. I tell you today what you already know, but I tell you today so that we can remember it here. We have a daysman. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is God and man. Unbelievable. He is fully man. He was tempted in all points like as I am. And like as you are, he hungered, he thirsted, he grew in wisdom and stature. He had women hanging all over him during his life. He never sinned. He never even had a fantasy about any of them. He's the man Christ Jesus, but he's also God. And he can put his hands on both and make peace for us. And he's already done that. And he ever lives to make peace for us. The priests in the Bible... The priests in any system, they keep dying. They keep dying, so you have to have a whole lot of them. This was read to us from Hebrews 7. Because they were, not, they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, Jesus Christ, because he lives forever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Amen. In every aspect, he is superior to any priest, including the priests of the law of Moses. You know, the world's always had their priests. We start in the Bible, we go way back to Egypt. They had, Pharaoh had priests. You know, did they have any truth? None. Zero. Zero. Teaching the people to worship Pharaoh as a king god? I don't think so. 
teaching people to worship the holy dog of Egypt? I don't think so. No light. God had completely shut them off as much as the man worshiping the leftover third of a tree. The Philistines had their priests to serve their pagan god, Dagon. And we all love the story, don't we? We all love the story when the Philistines stole the Ark of the Covenant, that little holy box of Jehovah, and they took it and put it in the temple of their god, Dagon. And when they got up in the morning, Dagon was on the deck worshiping that little box because that little box was how Jehovah was worshipped. And they got up that morning and they put that god back up on its stand. And the next morning they went in and it was back down worshiping, except this time it had lost its head and its hands. And the Lord was punching that thing around and it was down on the ground. And then they didn't want to give that ark back, so the whole nation got hemorrhoids. Now, don't you know, you're laughing with me. There's two whole chapters in the Bible about God giving a whole nation hemorrhoids because they wouldn't give back His Ark of the Covenant and they thought that their God, Dagon, had whipped the God of the Israelites, those priests should have known better. Those priests got together and said, listen, we got a problem. The whole nation has hemorrhoids. Everyone is going around scratching their secret parts. Go read the Bible. It's 1 Samuel 5 and 1 Samuel 6. Do you know what it says in Psalms about this event? It's Psalm 78. Do you know what it says in Psalm 78? He smote his enemies in the hinder parts. Yes, Lord. That's what it says in the Word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. I rejoice in a God like that. And I tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ. He smote his enemies in their hinder parts and put them to a perpetual shame, including having their story told on September 10th, 2006, in the Piedmont of South Carolina. Because I'm telling it to you to put their priests down. Then their priests got together and said, we're in trouble. We've run out of Preparation H. The nation is in trouble. We need to send him a peace offering. What did those priests make up? They had to make five golden hemorrhoids. I wonder who the models were. They made five. Can you imagine craftsmen that had made statues and idols having to make golden hemorrhoids and they sent it back to the God of Israel? You know what? They tied two milk cows up to a cart and said, we're going to know if God's going to accept this offering or not. Let's take these cows away from their calves, tie them to this cart, and see what happens. And there they went, straight to Israel. God was accepted. God accepted an offering made by the priests of the Philistines. But it wasn't a pretty thing. (laughs) Have you ever seen a golden hemorrhoid? Neither have I. I can't tell you about it. There have always been priests. You say that, that's amusing. You find it amusing? It tickles my soul. I love it, and I think it tickles some of yours. You know, we should laugh with the Word of God. Right. Every nation has had its priests. You know, there was a great integration effort made by the king of Assyria. He took the ten tribes captive. This is the Assyrians before the Babylonians. He took the ten tribes captive. Then he took a whole bunch of other nations that he had conquered and put them in where the ten tribes had once lived. Well, there was a problem. All of a sudden, lions began to multiply and eat the people. And so these, these new people that had come from all over the world, this is written in the Bible, these new people that had been transported in and replacing the Israelites for the ten tribes, they wrote to the king of Assyria and said, listen, we've got a problem. We're, all, we're getting eaten by lions. There must be some God that lives in this place, and we need help worshiping him. 
So that king looked around and found some priests that would go down there and teach them just a little bit about the God of Israel. And so it says, it says the people feared the Lord and served their own gods. They never really got the religion, but God was kind to them because at least they showed him a little honor of having some priests to teach a little bit about him. And he took the lions away. Those are the Samaritans to this day. Well, I don't know if the Samaritans are still there anymore, but in the Lord's day, those were where the Samaritans came from. All those nations being brought in and mingled with the Jews. See, it took priests. There was God. He was sending lions out to eat the people. And even though the priests only did a partial job to teach the fear of the Lord a little bit, he still had mercy. I want more than a little mercy. I want more than just the lions being taken away. I want heaven. And the Lord Jesus Christ is going to bring it all. It's a promise. In the middle of your Bible, 500 years after God... Have you ever read Exodus 28 and some of those passages where God ordained Aaron to be the high priest? They are impressive ordination services. But 500 years later, there's God saying He had sworn that there would be a priest after the order of Melchizedek, and that's our Lord Jesus Christ. What did our Savior say when He was on the cross of Calvary? It is finished. His sacrificial work was finished. The body that needed to be broken and the blood that needed to be shed was done. It is finished. And he gave up the ghost. He gave it up. The Romans and the Jews did not take his life from him. He laid down his life. He gave up the ghost. He died prematurely because when the soldiers came around, they were surprised that he was already dead because he laid it down for you and for me. He saw me. I don't know what you know about this, but he saw me. It says that he would see his seed. He would see his seed. He saw me. He saw everything that I would do to him and against him. And he laid down his life for me and said it is finished. Everything that Jonathan Crosby is going to do against me in the law of God, I have put out of existence. It's as far as the east is from the west. It's gone. So that he could say when he was here in this world, I am the way. I am the way. There's no room for Vishnu. There's no room for Muhammad. There's no room for Allah. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now that's a high priest that's dogmatic about his office. That's a high priest that God has made a great and glorious high priest. He said there is no other way. His apostles, once they were full of the Holy Ghost, they began preaching in Acts 2, 3, 4, and saying, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. It's only the Lord Jesus Christ that's the priest for our sins. There's one mediator between God and men, and it's not Mary. 1 Timothy 2.5 For there is one mediator between God and men, and it's not any angel, and it's not any saint, and it's not any pope, and it's not all the pope, saints, and Marys put together. There is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Amen. 1 Timothy 
That makes us Christians. You're not a Christian just because the Almanac says you're a Christian. You're a Christian when Jesus Christ is the head of your religion, your only high priest, and the only Savior from sin, and the only way to heaven. They're Mariolaters. Jesus encountered Mariolaters when he was in this world. One time when Jesus was preaching, a woman piped up out of the crowd and said, Blessed is the womb that bare you. Blessed are the paps which you have sucked. All she could think about is mother joys of giving birth to a child and nursing that child. And so she blessed Mary out of the crowd in her ignorance. Jesus said, What? What? Yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. He didn't have any regard for Mary other than his mother. She had no special place in the kingdom of heaven, and she certainly wasn't a co-mediatrix between God and men. She needed a Savior as much as you need one. That's why she said, after she heard that she was going to have the Christ child, she said, My heart doth rejoice in God my Savior. She needed God to be her Savior through Jesus Christ as much as we. Brethren, His priesthood is so great, He has made each of you a priest. You don't need to go speak through this little great trying to figure out whether it's Father O'Reilly or Father McDonald back there giving your confession. You don't need that. He's made you kings and priests. Every single one of you. And the last person, let me tell you, if you think I'm making fun of other people, the last person is me. You know, you confessing your sins to me ain't going to get anywhere. we got problems. Serious problems. He's made you a priest. Every woman in here, every child that believes on Jesus Christ that's born again is their own priest. Do you know how close you can get to God? Right to His knees. Right, right to His throne. Right into heaven. Because a way has been opened up by Jesus Christ. Amen. Hebrews 10 gives all the details about it. And I'm not going there right now because there's not enough time. And I just want to, I just want to lay out in front of you, we have a high priest. He's in heaven right now and He's fully opened up the way. Every single one of you. You don't need your parents. You don't need your spouse. You don't need your pastor. You can go straight to God and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And I promise you, He's never turned anyone out that says that. Ever. Him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. You know what? It's pride and stubbornness and an unwillingness to pay a price to follow Christ that keeps us from saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He offered up His own blood. There wasn't any confusion there. He didn't have to go elsewhere looking for His sacrifice. He offered Himself once for all for sin. And He's in a temple in heaven. You know, the Levitical priesthood had a tent on earth and then a temple on earth. But those things were made by hands. And Jesus Christ is the minister of the heavenly sanctuary. It's not made by hands. It's made by God Himself. And He allows us through Christ to go right into that place. And Jesus is ever at His right hand. You will never, ever, ever have to face the God of heaven for even one of your sins without Jesus Christ at the right hand of God. Let's run to Him. Why would we ever hold back? Let's repent. Will He forgive? Jesus is there reminding him of what he offered for us. Yes, he'll forgive. He's making intercession for us daily. You'll never have to face the God 
of the bondage of the Old Testament. You can face the God of the New Testament. He's the same God, but he's got at his right hand a high priest that has a sacrifice of infinite value. So we can go to him, we'll never be turned away. Do you know how he wants to be worshipped? The priests of the Old Testament, the priests of Molech, the priests of Chemosh, the priests of Baal, wanted your oldest son. Your oldest son. And you would pass your children through the fire to a false god. That is a religion of bondage. To take your son... And guess what? It didn't do anything except keep your family small because it never put away one sin. Our God, instead of asking for your son, gave his son, his only son, his only begotten son, his son who had never offended him or displeased him in his entire life. Our God gave his son to save our souls. And we shall be saved with an everlasting salvation. I speak to the elect of God who have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you say this morning, I don't know whether I'm God's elect or not. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and sell out your soul to do everything the Bible says to do in the New Testament. To please that Savior, you are the elect of God. And let's rejoice together. The words of Jonathan are ended. Brother Eric, would you come and lead us, please? As we prepare our hearts to come to the Lord's table.